0: football is back. Welcome to this crushable cast by Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando and along with my good friend Reese, we're going to be breaking down for you the game that just happened. This is an instant reaction podcast to the Super Bowl defending Kansas City Chiefs first game of the 2020 season against the Houston Texans I am so pumped today Reese it's been I don't know how long since we've last seen football we haven't seen preseason we haven't seen training camp literally the last game that we saw any football not just Chiefs football was the Super Bowl so Reese give me give me the emotions coming into the game and then turning that game on and seeing your boys
1: I mean, if we're going to be honest here, my emotions were a little muted because I already caught the crushing action of Navy versus BYU earlier in the week. So I've had, <laughs> I've had my fill of high quality football. Thank you very much. Did you really watch it? Oh, of course I didn't really watch it. <laughs>
0: no. I'm going to be so pissed no, if you did.
1: Um, I, I'm super excited the football's back, especially getting to watch the Kansas City Chiefs. There's been a lot of hype this off season for the team. It's great to see him back in motion and that so far knocking on wood. COVID has not knocked out this season just yet. So it's great to see a chance to see these horses run. They look great. Football's back, baby. Football's back.
0: Yeah, I was even thinking in that first quarter when we were just adjusting and trying to figure out what was going on. I was oh like I was actually okay with us uh not knowing what to do and like whether we were gonna win or not. Just having those emotions just felt good. And that's weird. it's never felt good before to like have the uh-oh, what if blah, blah, blah happens? What if Deshaun Watson goes off? What if the Texans defense is actually really good? But today I was like, I haven't had these emotions in such a long time. Like, this actually feels kind of good, even if I'm kind of scared right now.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and you saw me texting you guys in the group chat during the first quarter. I'm like, guys, I got a bad feeling about this game. They just scored a touchdown on us. Everything's <laughs> canceled the season. Fire Andy Reid. Everything sucks.
0: Yeah, and then like it, it was actually at that moment I was like, you know what? I actually love this. <laughs> I I love that, like, you know, we're having the emotions, we're having the up and downs, like it's all a part of football. So hell yeah. So we just witnessed the Kansas City Chiefs dominate the Houston Texans 34 to 20. Now, don't let this score fool you. We're going to break it down for you. But it was basically like a Chiefs domination. Wouldn't you agree, Reese?
1: Oh, uh, this this game was over. Jeez. Midway through the third quarter. After a cumulative, I believe it was 82 to 14 run since the first quarter of the playoff (laughs) game, this Texans were obviously outmatched. We were not firing on all cylinders, but looking great. There were two different teams on the field. This thing was basically over after the second half started.
0: Yeah. I, I remember texting you and Kyle, uh, by the way, Kyle, I hope you're sleeping well tonight. Anyway, uh, Yeah, so going into the game, I wasn't too nervous. I was telling uh, Reese and Kyle, I was like, the only way that we're going to lose today is if we beat ourselves. Like, we literally just have to play average in front of the Houston-Texas, even though Houston obviously gave us a scare in the playoffs, getting a huge lead in the first half of the playoffs. Um, some of that kind of crept into my mind in that first quarter, Reese, and I think it did for you, too. <laughs>
1: Just a little bit.
0: I mean, this, this Texans team is
1: dangerous, and I've been saying it since before the playoff game last year, where they have a lot of speed, they have a lot of weapons, and they're a very kind of wing-it improvisational team. You know, Deshaun Watson's not your typical three-step drop quarterback. He relies on his legs eh, not quite as much as his arm, but he's a pretty, you know, run-heavy quarterback. He can improvise a lot of situations. He's one of those guys that's just like, you just want to put the game away before you give him a pivot point And suddenly he turns on like a bunch of magic.
0: Yeah, I was I was a little more bullish on the Texans because I, I kind of lost the hype once they um once they traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, which we'll talk about a little later in the podcast. But going into it, I, I definitely had this feel of this might be one of the best offenses we've ever seen in Chiefs history. And that's something that I brought up in that in that first fantasy football cast. I was like, this might be one of the best. So I wasn't too worried, but I was a little worried about our defense and thinking that if we were going to lose, it's going to be on us and not because of some magic of Deshaun Michael Jordan Watson, which was deemed by the Skip Bayless. Well, I'm on the same boat as you here because I know
1: everyone was saying by the end of the year last year, no, we had a top 10 defense and we had a defense that put the clamps down in regards to points. Our run defense, even coming to this year, was still very suspect. Um, You know, we were playing some new secondary players. We had Sneed starting. There was question as to if Willie Gay Jr. was going to start in our linebacking core, which is still pretty weak, both in coverage and in run defense. We're very prone to having teams run it down our throats, to getting dinked and dunked on. And although we can score, I don't want other teams putting together long drives, dinking and dunking on us, and keeping our offense from getting a chance to score.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. I agree with you. That's, that's going to be something going into this year that we're really going to have to pay attention to. I think that the Texans are not one of the elite teams offenses anymore in the NFL and we'll talk about that later Um, but we're gonna have to have a couple more sample sizes of our defense to really see what they're gonna look like for this year but let's go to the biggest story of the game Clyde Edwards Elaire. If you are a follower of the podcast, I'm looking at you, Netherlands. I'm looking at you, Canada. You know that we hyped up one guy for fantasy football, not only for the Chiefs, but for the entire league, and that was Clyde. Edwards Ellair and boy did this guy show up today 25 carries 138 yards with one touchdown probably could have had a couple more touchdowns there was some goal line uh, there were there was some goal line trickery there I will give the uh, Texans D some credit in the goal line but Clyde could have had a couple or maybe three touchdowns in this game today but yeah Reese what, what were your first reactions of the debut of our boy? Clyde Edwards. I'll be honest, as the
1: offseason has gone on, I've been buying more and more into him and his potential in our system. I think what I saw tonight was what I expected from him. He was great catching the ball. He was great hitting gaps with Darren Sproles-like bursts of speed. He got extra yardage because he won't go down on first contact. However, the one thing that was concerning to me about his game that I think it will take some adjusting to is, like you said, we really did struggle to get him in. Once we were inside the five yard line, we can't punch it in with this guy and it's not to his fault. The guy's only five foot eight. He's not a big barreling guy. I think in those first and goal to go situations inside the five, I'd rather be handing it off
0: to Daryl Williams. He's a bit of a bigger, you know, power back. That's just my take. I I definitely agree with you, Reese. As I was watching this game, though, I started to have flashbacks of the 2017 Patriots versus Chiefs game, Kareem Hunt debut game. Like this is Andy Reid's M.O. Andy Reid has a new toy. People know that this guy is good, but Andy makes plays for these people and is able to lift up their talent and say, hey, guess what? We got a really good running back. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what happened against the Patriots, except the Patriots were a very, very good team in 2017, not like the Texans right now that are kind of volatile right now. Um, But I started to get flashbacks there because Clyde Edwards-Alaire is definitely uh, even in this first game, we are, we are very comfortable with he, with him being our RB1 for the rest of the season, not only for the rest of the season, but for as long as we can keep this guy, right? This guy is explosive. He is fast. Like you said, he's, he, he's small, but he's got tree trunk legs. Like that dude was breaking so many tackles. I actually, as the game was happening, I was YouTubing Kareem Hunt and watching some of the highlights from 2017, because I was like, okay, okay, Kareem Hunt, we all know is a very good player, right? Just got an extension with the Browns as an RB2. Like, very good player. If he figures out his off-field off issues, he's going to be great. But for some reason, it just seemed like CEH was even more explosive than what I remember Kareem Hunt being. So when I went back to the tape, it's true. What I saw today, I'm just going to say it, Hot Tech Mondo, more explosive, he's faster He can break tackles better than Kareem Hunt. Now, Kareem Hunt has size on him, right? I would rather have Kareem Hunt on the goal line than I would CEH, but the explosiveness, the plays that he can make kind of looks better. So for me, it's really six of
1: one, half dozen of another. Kareem Hunt and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are two pretty different backs that do have some overlap in their Venn diagram circles. So... For me, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, like you said, he's faster. His 0-60 to 60 is much quicker than Kareem's. He's more explosive. I think he's actually somehow even more dangerous in the passing game. The thing Kareem Hunt had going for you was that little bit of extra speed and charge. I liken him to the juggernaut from the Marvel comics because Juggernaut's thing was that he wasn't necessarily the strongest character out there, but if he built some momentum and got going, he was unstoppable. That was Kareem Hunt's thing. Once Kareem Hunt found that space and started getting those pistons churning, he was impossible to bring down. Clyde Edwards alaire is very difficult to bring down at any point, but as we saw inside the five, he's not necessarily impossible to bring down.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what he looks like against a Ravens defense against a Saints defense, because those are where we're going to be in the trenches, right? We're going to be in the red zone and we have to score. And if these guys gameplay for us, knowing that C H is good, but C isn't huge in the goal line, then they're going to be double teaming Kelsey. They're going to be double teaming Hill. I mean, what what's great is that we have many weapons on offense that they actually, they probably can't double team everybody, right? But they're going to have to decide where to go, and that's like one less, uh, one less weapon we can use, unless we use Clyde in the in the passing game in the red zone, which we didn't see today. They were literally just trying to, even in the fourth quarter, they were just trying to ha- hand it to him, and CH was getting a beating. I I, I actually got kind of nervous. I was like, just put Daryl Williams in. Why not? No, I
1: agree with you. And Pat hung him out to dry a few times with some passes in the open flats, and he got lit up. I think. Tonight was maybe a bit of experimentation to see if we could punch in on the goal line with him. I don't think that's the answer going forward. We also didn't do anything creative with him, you know, on goal-to-goal situations. There were no pitches, you know, there were no weak side fakes. It was a lot of, like, handing up the gut and trying to, like, punch the bowling ball through the line, which didn't quite work. You know, so I'm not pulling the ripcord on this one and saying this is a big emergency problem. But I think it is something that, you know, I don't want to keep going back to the well with these kinds of plays later on in the season.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Going to a positive note, also in this running back core, um, when's the last time you've seen a formidable O-line from week one for the Chiefs? Like, this was a big question mark going into the season. We had talked about two big question marks for us, I think. The O-line and our linebackers, right? Didn't really know what was going to happen there. Um, today really looked great for us. Yeah. What do you think, Reese? I agree, and I think that's what's
1: so great about Clyde Edwards-O'Lear versus Kareem Hunt in these regards is that, as we've mentioned, his acceleration is so deadly, and he rarely goes down on the first hit, that if he has a small hole, he's a smaller guy with speed. If he hits that hole, he's going to break you off a chunk of five to seven yards, which I think he averaged just about there tonight, and that's what we really need to see in our running game that's been missing for the past year and a half since the absence of Kareem Hunt is that we haven't really had any real running options out of the backfield. We've seen a lot of jet sweeps. We've seen a lot of quick shuffle pass pitches. But, the, I mean, the basic handoff and pitch plays have not worked so well going to our running core, and I think we finally have a guy that can turn a little hole
0: into a lot. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy? We didn't see any jet sweeps today. <laughs> nope we didn't <laughs> isn't that crazy and actually that is a great segue actually before i segue though yeah i just want to shout out the o-line um our pickup O oh that dude is great and i had mentioned him before in the podcast as well. i think our first crushable pod he was kind of a sneaky guy that they had uh that had brought in but assembly is is a is a former pro bowler and that dude played eric fisher looked good as well we didn't know what he was gonna look like because of injuries and then of course mitchell schwartz looked good like I am very confident in the O-line, which then makes me very confident in our running back situation.
1: They really kept Patrick on his feet tonight, which is great to see. I think there was one time early in the game where Fisher got burned around the edge, and that was the one sack that Pat took.
0: But for the rest of the game, he was upright. He was throwing. He had time. It looked great. Yeah, knock on wood. I don't think we have to worry about any Cam Irving trips this year, but knock on wood. (laughs) Cam on the ankles. The
1: cankles. There you
0: go. (laughs) speaking about pat pat had another pat game i was looking at his stats and i was like pat had three touchdowns but of course pat had three touchdowns but he does it so seamlessly that you just don't like like he didn't need any big plays today it was very scripted today he had uh 211 yards three touchdowns and a qbr of 123.3 reese did you see anything different about pat that you didn't see last year
1: you know, this could be me reading it as something that's not there. I'm not saying he didn't have a good time, because everyone has a good time when you're running up points on the Texans, but Pat seemed to have a very no-nonsense sternness about him tonight, and he didn't play stiff. I mean, even with that touchdown that wound up getting called back, he threw that straight dime to Robinson in the first quarter, but... I don't know. Pat almost seemed like he was pulling us out of a thirty-one to seven hole, and not the other way around in regards to his, you know, demeanor while he was playing for most of the game. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna hot take Mondo's back again. Hello, everyone. It's actually a lot easier to be hot take Mondo without Kyle here because Kyle like really judges me when I'm hot take Mondo. But now he's just little sleepy man in his bed right now. Hello, Kyle. Kyle's probably not even gonna listen to this anyway, so whatever. Good night, Kyle. Uh (laughs) (laughs) but um hot take mondo when i saw pat out there i agree with you he had this calmness he had also this sense of urgency at the at the same time but he wasn't emotional right he didn't get too hyped he didn't get too he was he just seemed very like in line in sync and who did patrick mahomes look at videos of in the super bowl actually the day of the super bowl who was he watching videos of
1: i actually don't know who was it kobe bryant oh are you serious yeah oh it's yeah, over he was, okay can't believe it was- <laughs> guys we're done
0: because because it was i don't know how many months after kobe had passed but it really inspired patrick mahomes and the day of the super bowl he said he was trying to get into that mamba zone and you can see him get into that zone but i'm gonna get back to my hot take hot take patrick mahomes looked as calm and confident as Tom Brady looked after his fourth Super Bowl ring today. That's a pretty hot take. I mean, the way... Okay, if you look at what he did today, what do we know Patrick Mahomes as? We know him as a mobile quarterback going left and right. We don't know him as a rushing quarterback, but we know him like getting out of the pocket and feeling very comfortable out of the pocket, right? But also being a very good pocket passer. Today... We saw literally zero of that. We didn't see him go left or right at all. Why? Because he was so confident in one, reading the defenses, and two, just knowing where everybody was going to be. Like the way I, I don't think I, I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes throw the ball that fast out of the gate. I mean, I think, I think they had put a stat up there too. Um, it was like within two seconds, he was 11 for 12, I think, but you can see that in the game and that's not Patrick Mahomes MO. And, and I mean, it's usually five seconds. The, the, uh, the, uh, play breaks, defense breaks, and he finds someone, but Patrick today, it was something that I hadn't seen before. Of course, we've seen him do it once or twice, but the whole game, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And that if I was an NFL player watching this game, I am so afraid of Patrick Mahomes this year. Well,
1: it's kind of like you said with the Mamba mentality. He's just really upping his efficiency. You know, if Pat Mahomes needs to pull a jet chip wasp crazy pass out of his back pocket, he's going to. If he needs to find Tyreek Hill on fourth and 17 with a game on the line all the way across the field he's going to what we saw tonight is Patrick Mahomes going Terminator mode and he's like what do I need to execute on this play okay here it is executed all right back to the huddle guys he was just yeah, yeah, no,
0: it, it was just ridiculous because the only drop passes that I saw were Demarcus Robinson right he had I think he had two drop touchdowns actually <laughs> he had one he in the beginning two- and someone else dropped a touchdown right <laughs>
1: Yeah, someone dropped a touchdown, and, and he, he had kind of had, like, the yips today. He jumped for two passes that weren't great passes, but, like, it's almost like he jumped too early and had to, like, I don't know, kip up his hang time and air. It was kind of weird. So, you know, that's partially on Pat, partially on Robinson.
0: Yeah, it was – so my my uh, point in that is that he he only had to throw to Tyreek Hill five times pretty much, and Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill only had 46 yards. But the point in that is that we didn't need Tyreek Hill in that game, and the uh, the uh, the uh, Texans' defense is not anything elite, but it's still very formidable. And for us to like, and of course we we've played the uh, the uh, Texans before, we played them in the playoffs, and we had to have a shootout with them. But for this game, it was like uh, Reek had had that touchdown at the very end, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot we have Tyreek Hill.
1: Well, let's look at the distribution that Patrick Mahomes had in passing today. He hit three different targets for at least five receptions with Robinson not behind with three receptions. I mean, looking down this, this list, Watkins had himself quite the game. He had seven receptions for 82 yards and a touchdown. Kelsey, six receptions, 50 yards touchdown. Hill, a quiet five receptions, 46 and a touchdown. Now let's compare that to with what Deshaun Watson was working with all night. He had eight receptions to Fuller for 112, no touchdowns. And after that, the drop-off, the next most receptions came for Aikens. Two receptions. David Johnson, okay, three as a running back, but then two for Cobb, two for Cooks, two for Fells. You know, Patrick Mahomes has just an embarrassment of riches in regards to the weapons he has. But I mean... It's your job to distribute the wealth and not just feed one person. Michael Hardman only had one reception tonight. Clyde Edwards Hilaire didn't have any receptions tonight. He was just yeah, working crazy. so great out of the backfield. That
0: is crazy. That's a crazy stat because we were comparing Clyde Edwards Hilaire to Brian Westbrook, who is a pass-catching running back, right? And that's why we wanted Clyde. We didn't, we didn't even have to use him in the wide We didn't receiving even see his hands tonight. <laughs> Like, that's scary. We didn't use Tyreek Hill. We didn't use McCole Hartman. We didn't use Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the passing game. And we still won very handedly.
1: It's like the only time this team is not going to look good on offense. I mean, it's going to have to be similar to what the Niners game was last year where Pat's running for his life all the game. It's like you're going to have to cut the power off at the conduit being Mahomes. Because I mean, there's just so
0: many guys. And if you give Mahomes too much time, he's going to find them. Exactly. Exactly. Reese, I'm going to go back to your point about the uh, about the Texans. You had brought up that that wide receiver breakdown, but a lot of that stuff didn't happen until that fourth quarter. Tell me about that fourth quarter scare for you, because I actually got some text from you. You're like, don't they know this is still a game? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Having sat on the other end of
1: some insane, stupid, circumstantial comebacks in my lifetime, The game is never over until it's over. And halfway through this third quarter, I was on top of the moon, and I'm just, like, sitting there feeling like I'm a five-year-old kid eating sugar cereal on a Saturday morning watching cartoons. I'm like, we're so good. Edwards Ward's is Great. Patrick Mahomes is awesome. We're finding so many people. And then I expected us to kind of take our foot off the gas, which we did. But then at the same time, it's like I said earlier, the Texans are this team that if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And just kind of slowly they were chipping away at it as we were going into, you know, eat clock mode. But no one told Deshaun Watson the game was over. So he was still trying hard. And our defense is kind of like, hey, guys, let's just execute, and not get hurt. So at one point, you know, we were up three scores and should have put this away. 31 31- 13 at one point i'm like okay cool let's just just put together a nice long drive kick a field goal give them like three minutes left and we just sort of turtled and they started coming back on us and you know we're so talented now that i would really like to believe that if andy needs to dial something up like you know start the engine cold again we could do it but you know i've seen too many times even with like sorry alex smith led teams with a lot of weapons where we just kind of fall asleep let them come back in the game and suddenly it's late, you know, and they have a killing shot. And it's like, how did they even, how, how did we snatch defeat from the
0: jaws of victory? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, exactly, exactly. So I, I feel like our defense was pretty good quarters two and three. They were trying to figure stuff out quarter one and then quarter four. They're like, eh, it's over. We got Patrick Mahomes and then they got a slap in the face. But I do want to commend our our cornerbacks, our cornerbacks are people that never played for us before. Uh, Sneed, Legarius Sneed, and Anthony Hamilton. Both are cornerback one and two. We've never seen play before, and they went up against Will Fuller, who is not injured, who actually played very well. And let me just make sure before I embarrass myself. Yeah, he was on the Brandon cooks was playing. I didn't see him at all, but Brandon cooks is still a very formidable wide receiver. And for those who to come in and to play very well. I mean, like I said in, in our text chain, I was, I was texting you guys. I was like, uh, Sneed looks better than chart ward. Now
1: he does dude. I (laughs) I'm sorry. I I don't think he's a, he's no longer Laverius Sneed. I believe he's a, Marcus Sneeders because he jumped onto the scene as a rookie and was just (laughs) eating people alive. I I mean, when was the last time we've had a cornerback who will actively defend passes? It feels like for the last two to three years, particularly with Fuller Ward, Breland's tightened the screws on that regards. It's been having cornerbacks watching the receiver and trying to react as soon as they touch the ball where it's like, guys, no, turn your head and make a play on the ball to keep them from even having a chance to get their hands on it. And that's what we saw Sneed do time and again tonight.
0: Yeah, Sneed, we had mentioned in our podcast before we became public. By the way, make sure that you subscribe on Patreon when that comes up, because you're going to hear some exclusive content. In that exclusive content, you will hear us talk about Sneed and how we didn't know where he was going to go, because Sneed hadn't played cornerback uh, for a full year. He was playing linebacker because they need him to play linebacker. So we were all like, safety oh he's playing safety my bad so he wasn't playing in this position that he was playing um but we actually were pretty accurate that he was going to be a defensive back for us and and he's i mean first game in and also, these people didn't have any preseason games. This is literally his first game, and he goes up against Will Fuller. And I don't want to, like, make—I mean, Will Fuller was wide receiver, too, when De- when uh, when DeAndre Hopkins was here. But Will Fuller is still a very good wide receiver one on any other team. Just because DeAndre Hopkins was here doesn't mean that he wasn't good. So we have Fuller paired up with Sneed, and Sneed still holds his own? Like, holy crap.
1: Well, and it's not like they weren't targeting him the whole game, too. It's not like, you know, he got, I don't know, three or four passes thrown at him and he defended three of them really well. It's like, no, they were trying to harass him all game. And he was just doing his best Matumbu impersonation and getting up there and swatting balls, breaking up passes. He had an interception, which he definitely returned that set up another score. Man, if I had to give an award for, like, most valuable rookie out there tonight, man,
0: I would... Almost give it to Sneed yep. over Alaire. Yep, yep, exactly. Because, and I, I I also agree with you, because we need someone like Sneed on defense. Of course, we need Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but we don't need him more than we need a cornerback. Cornerback is one of our worst positions. So for him to come up and really not necessarily shut him down, but to definitely play him well and and he had that interception. I know it was like a, a giveaway reception or interception, but it was still very good. Um, it was very awesome to see that happen. Okay, Reese, I'm going to ask you a question. Was Bill O'Brien justified trading DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson?
1: So you know me, I am a massive David Johnson fan. I got to watch him play in Northern Iowa. I've seen what he can do with Arizona. That guy is still just a giant ball of potential that in the right offensive system, I mean, He can just devastate. That guy is a top three running back in the league when things are going right. And he has a line and he has a coach. Now, here's what's tricky. When I heard that the Texans had acquired David Johnson for Hopkins, Hopkins is obviously the net loss. I'm not going to tiptoe around that and say, oh, they got better by losing Hopkins. No, that's stupid. Hopkins is a top two receiver in the league. Johnson, though, I knew he would fit into this offense like a glove which we really saw the night, 11 carries for 70-plus yards. He had some good catches. I knew that David Johnson would work in this system. I don't know Bill O'Brien knew that David Johnson was going to work in this system so well. I don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. And, you know, is David Johnson fitting into this system, you know, a net aggregate for losing Hopkins? Probably not, ultimately. But in getting the second-round pick and getting David Johnson, it's kind of like... Okay, I guess. Maybe a strike gold of the second round pick and we move on. What do you think?
0: So David Johnson today, like you said, 11 carries, 77 yards. But if, I'm, if I am a Texans fan, if I'm in Houston, I am asking for the resignation of Bill O'Brien. Hot take Mondo. What were you thinking? Now, I will preface this. I will preface this because all of us love david johnson on this podcast you guys have the iowa connection and i'm from phoenix and i saw david johnson come up rookie year and really just explode right in a very explosive player and i am also a a diehard fantasy football player so i knew david johnson was one of the most underrated players in fantasy football this year because of that trade even though it is a lopsided trade That doesn't mean David Johnson is a bad player, and we saw that to date. A touchdown, 77 yards, and they didn't use him very much in that second half. He probably could have had more if if they wanted to really use him. But why was I so comfortable as a Chiefs fan today? Because I knew Deshaun, Deshaun Watson had no one to throw that long ball to. Like, Will Fuller was good, but Will Fuller was good in the fourth quarter when it was over right? There were no long ball shots until that last quarter. And that's why I was so confident as a Chiefs fan, because there was no DeAndre Hopkins there, right? Deshaun Watson had nothing to do. He was doing dink and dunk in that first quarter, which was working, but he didn't have that long ball threat, which was okay. But imagine DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, one and two versus Anthony Hamilton and Legarius Sneed, that this story would be completely flipped. Right. Deshaun Watson, you would not see what you saw in that first quarter. You would not see a dink and dunk. You would see a straight shootout in that first quarter with with Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. And that's what's going to hurt the Texans this year because they are they are good. Right. They're they're not like below 500 team. They could definitely make the playoffs again this year. But playoffs are not their aspiration, right? They should be a Super Bowl contending team with Deshaun Michael Jordan Watson with David Johnson now and with a formidable Will Fuller. But they don't have DeAndre Hopkins, who was the best wide receiver in the league. You can't give that up. You can't give up the most talented player in the NFL almost. Well, the problem with Deshaun Watson
1: is that he is super clutch. And like I said, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. But it's just like in Madden, if he had the clutch badge, it's like in order for him to be clutch, you have to be able to keep the team in a situation where he has the opportunity to be clutch. Last year against the Bills in the playoffs, the Bills couldn't score, kept him within striking distance. Guess what? We got clutch to Sean Watson. He's getting blown out 31-7 to against a much more talented Kansas City Chiefs with a very formidable defense. Eh, he's much more pedestrian when that clutch badge doesn't kick in.
0: Yep. Yeah, you you're right. We'll we'll definitely see what happens to Deshaun Watson after week 1, but right now if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm talking to Bill O'Brien saying, "Dude, what what did we do?" Well, I honestly feel so bad for him cuz he is super talented. And I think if he had a coach
1: like Andy Reid, you know, he's going to be crazy good all the time. But man, you could see it on his face starting in the second quarter even, especially in the third He just was not having fun out there. And he's just like, man, did I really just sign a long-term extension with this team, with Bill O'Brien as judge and jury of this team? He's almost even executioner. (laughs) You know, he's he's general manager and coach, you know? So what's he going to do? Say, like, get rid of Bill O'Brien? Bill O'Brien's going to say, hmm, I'll talk to the board and I'll talk to Coach Bill (laughs) O'Brien and see what he thinks about that. Oh, sorry, Coach Bill O'Brien told me
0: things are fine. I trust Coach Bill (laughs) O'Brien. He's got like a... Like a sock puppet. <laughs> it's like, hey, Bill, what do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> but you also got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. But we got David Johnson. He's explosive. <laughs> True. But DeAndre Hopkins is the best player to ever play in the NFL.
1: <laughs> Bill, o- Bill O'Brien is like the ultimate defense against a Karen because he's the manager at work. She goes, let me speak to your manager. And he spins around. And he goes, I am the manager. <laughs>
0: Well, good luck, Bill O'Brien, in what's going on there in the Texans, because you do have a lot of talent there. But you, you literally gave up like the best wide receiver, and it would have been such, such a, a scarier game for us if if uh, DeAndre Hopkins was there. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, actually, I just want to touch really quick. I thought our D line did not look good in the, in that first half. I mean, uh, David Johnson did have their number, but then. At the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, it actually looked like Frank Clark and Chris Jones were coming into their own. um, And it looked like we were getting a lot of pressure on uh, Deshaun. Well,
1: it's like we talked about. Our D-line is very apples to oranges in regards to defending the run versus, you know, putting pressure on the quarterback in a passing situation. And, you know, we lost two of our really good run stoppers. I mean, Kalen Saunders left in the third quarter with an elbow injury that I can only hope is a a stinger and isn't too serious. And we didn't have Pinnell to start this game. He was a great run stopper Mm -hmm. late last season. But throughout the game in particular, I mean, Deshaun Watson got sacked, what was it, four times? And we got – this wasn't like last year where Frank Clark was kind of, you know, more like Frank the Minnow. Dude, Clark looked like his end of season form last year, pulling some crazy rip moves on people, you know, and just really getting to the quarterback, you know, chasing Deshaun Watson for his life. Chris Jones mm-hmm. got some nice sacks in there and was causing terror, throwing his arms up. You know, I, I'm pretty happy with how the D line played overall. If we get, if teams are going to have to come back on us passing and we're going to make the life really difficult for the quarterback with that defensive line. I'm okay with giving up a little bit more on the running side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I think that's still going to be a big question mark. I think we still have to figure out our, our linebackers like Willie Gay Jr., see how uh, Anthony Hitchens – actually, Anthony Hitchens had a lot of tackles, but he just didn't have a lot of big plays. So it's that's definitely going to be a question mark still going through. But I, I feel okay with – how the defense looks. I think it's still going to be okay. Like we said, our defense doesn't have to be elite. We've said that years and years. I mean, I know that our, our fans don't know what our text chain looks like. It's probably good you don't know what our text chain looks like. But when we talk about the Chiefs, it's always our defense just has to be average. We have the best quarterback in the NFL, one of the best, if not the best quarterback in NFL history. Let's just have an average defense. That's all we ask. (laughs) You know, one thing I'll say about the defense tonight that did surprise me a little bit was we didn't see
1: Willie Gay Jr. at all. That was surprising. Which is really surprising because we've heard nothing but glowing things about him in camp. And tonight, you know, our linebackers did get burned in coverage, as is the norm. I mean, there should have been a false start. I mean, I, I saw the false start at game speed. On that, uh, I think it was the second touchdown the Texans scored, but Neiman got, you know, blown up in coverage again and Watson threaded a nice pass in there for the touchdown, you know, and Hitchens, he's not the fastest guy in the race. So, you know, he's prone to getting blown up in coverage or when he has to run down a running back. I'm just very surprised that even in, you know, more of the garbage time of the game, we didn't see Willie Gay Jr. out there taking some snaps.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Reese. I thought Willie Gay Jr. during our draft podcast, I said Willie Gay was going to be the uh, the the sleeper of the Chiefs' draft because he had all the intangibles that we needed. We he's incredibly fast, very agile, can have a lot of explosive plays, which is good for a quarterback and running back like Deshaun Watson and David Johnson, right? And we need him to be explosive, especially in Week Three against the Ravens against. Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and now J.K. Dobbins is looking like he's a very good running back as well. So so I was a little disappointed today as well with Billy Gay. We're going to need him to come in because the Ravens are just going to expose that middle.
1: I would like to think that maybe Andy Reid's trying to keep him under wraps like he knew that he could put up points and really stymie the Texans offense without Willie Gay this week. And next week, as we'll talk on later, going into the Chargers, we're not so afraid of that offense. Maybe he wants to keep a lot of packages and looks involving the skill set of Willie Gay Jr. for when we do play the Ravens, which, you know, are a very run-heavy team. Lamar Jackson is great at thinking on his feet, you know, really good at slipping out of tight situations. Maybe he wants to use Willie Gay Jr. as more of a spy coming into Week Three, and he didn't want to show all of his cards right now.
0: Yeah, actually, Reese, why don't we talk about that now, Reese? I think you had the Chiefs at, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had the Chiefs at twelve and four. I believe was your prediction. Twelve and four sounds right. Yeah, I picked a very safe okay. twelve and four. So after after this game, is your prediction the same? Do you think it's better or do you think it's worse? Um, you know, I think I'm going to
1: stick to 12 and four. I think what it could look like now is that we have three losses. I would expect us to take. And then we slip and lose one. A la the Titans game last year that we shouldn't lose, but uh, man, the offense looked really, really great this year or so far this year. And, like we said earlier, if this team can keep firing on like half of its cylinders, I don't see many games where we're going to get held to under 25 points.
0: Yeah. After this game, I had a rid, I was very bullish in our predictions. I think I was, uh, 14 and two, I believe. I think I'm just going to keep 14 and two. I think we might lose to the Ravens. We might lose to the saints, but a game that I thought we would lose to the bills, a game that I thought we would lose to the Broncos, right? We even talked about that, that we could possibly lose to the Broncos. I don't think we're going to lose any of those games anymore after today because CEH, which was a big question mark, we knew his talent, but we didn't know what he would look like in the NFL. We didn't have to use Tyreek Kill, Like I said, we didn't have to use Nicole Harmon, right? We still have to see from them. And that's going to be great because we know they're going to be productive. And then on defense, we saw our defense, our, our defensive line play really well. We saw our quarterbacks, who are new to us. We had no idea what they are going to look like. They held their own, right? Will Fuller had a game, but Brandon Cooks did not have a game, right? Uh, Randall Cobb was playing, too. Did you see that? <laughs> Randall Cobb did not have a game, right? We were able just to... To to have a one wide receiver centric offense, which is okay, that's fine. Like, give me the Ravens, and then Marquise Brown is the only one that scores. That's fine with me. So, I actually like our defense a little bit better today. I, I'm I'm encouraged. I think that there are still holes, like I said, in the, in the linebacker position, but. With what's going on, I'm going to keep my 14-2. and I think it's going to be a shootout against the Ravens, against the Saints. But those games, like I talked about in the first podcast, against the Bills, the Broncos, and maybe some of those middle-tier teams that I was like, eh, maybe we might lose. I don't think we're going to lose. I think 14-2 and is a safe ceiling for this team. I could definitely see that being a reality as well. Yeah. So now we have our bold predictions. Let's talk about a pretty easy prediction, Reese. What does Week 2 look like against um Tyrod (laughs) I was trying to think I was like is Justin Herbert playing no Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers so how do we look well
1: considering the fact that we're used to playing in front of an empty stadium against the Chargers (laughs) I think that's not going to (laughs) rattle us too much but I'm gonna be serious guys the Chargers still have some weapons but the Chargers are really only getting older I would say of the three teams in this division they were the ones that took the smallest step forward in terms of acquiring talent in the draft. But we should just be able to go in next week, I hope, and really lay the hammer down on the Chargers, man. I don't think their offense scares me too much. I don't think their defense can slow down what this offense has to offer. I mean, it's going to be a division game. It's going to be tight. I could see it playing out very similarly to the game in Mexico last year, or maybe it's a little tighter to begin, and we start really giving it to them in the third quarter. But... I don't want to call this one a lock, but it's about as close to a lock as I feel like it can be.
0: What do you think? The uh, Chargers have a lot of weapons. They have a lot of strengths, right? They have their their two defenders in Bosa and Gordon that can definitely rush and make Patrick Mahomes scared. Sometimes. They also have a pretty formidable running back now, Austin Eckler, who is the running back now. He doesn't have to worry about Melvin Gordon anymore. He is the bell cow. But like any team, like any good team, it revolves around one position, and that is the quarterback position. Right now, it is quarterback by competition in L.A. And even though you can have an incredible defense, if you don't have a formidable leader, right, Tyrod Taylor hasn't played a game in a, quite a, a long time. And Tyrod Taylor cannot throw the long ball. He's very accurate. That's why he had a pretty successful time in in the Bills, and I think he played okay when he was with the Browns, but that's not going to be enough against the greatest show on turf. The new greatest show on turf, Hot Take Mondo just said. The new greatest show on turf. Goodbye, LA Chargers. Goodbye, any rivalry, because Reese, those days are gone. LA, if you're listening to us, or if you Netherland fans out there, if you're Chargers fans, guess what? Dudu 1 is gone. Doo-doo 2 is gone. Welcome to the greatest show on Turf.
1: Well, I got two things to say to you. First off, do you know what the technical term for the fields that they play on is called nowadays? No. It is legitimately called Mondo Turf.
0: No way!
1: <laughs> yes. 99% of those space age, you know, Astroturf is a thing of the past. 99% of the fields you see nowadays that are artificial, it's called Mondo Turf. How
0: Secondly, did you how did you know that? How did where did you figure that out?
1: Uh, because back when I was in high school, uh, we always played our high school football games in the Unidome at the University of Northern Iowa, and they got their astroturf replaced. Because the old Astroturf I heard was like, I mean, legit like half an inch thick. It had no paddings. So like when you got tackled, it felt like getting tackled on like super rough carpety concrete. Versus this Mondo <laughs> turf is super nice to walk on, man. I mean, I, we were doing a march man on that stuff. I'm like, oh, wow. It's like Dr. Scholes for like 100 yards. This is fantastic. <laughs> Second thing, the Chargers, as you mentioned, seem to have a lot of stars. They seem to have some weapons. However, Ladinian Tomlinson aside, for the last 20 to 30 years, the Chargers are what I like to call... I don't know. They're like the Rose Art stars of the NFL. That's like all of the Chargers players. They're all just like the bridesmaids, never the bride. Is Keenan Allen really a star wide receiver? No, he's a very consistently good wide receiver. How good was Antonio Gates as a tight end, really? Was he ever? Did he ever put up a season where he was Travis Kelsey level? Mm, nah. Melvin Gordon. Was Melvin Gordon that good of a running back? He was fine. He was not as good as Kareem Hunt while he was there. You know, the list goes on, but that's just my experience with the nice San Diego. Yes, I said San Diego Chargers.
0: No! So I think it's pretty clear Fountain City Sports Media is endorsing the Chiefs for the week two matchup against the Chargers. Make sure you take the spread. I was actually kind of scared of betting on the spread today. I think like the Chiefs were were plus nine and a half points. And I was like, uh, eh, could it could be a shootout. No, nah, I should have taken that bet. That's it here for Fountain City Sports Media. You've just experienced another crushable cast of the Chiefs. And stay tuned for some more Chiefs content as every week we're going to be dropping either a crushable cast or we're going to be dropping an in-depth analysis on what's going on week to week by the Chiefs. Because in Kansas City, this is going to be the story every single week. And we are excited to talk to you guys about it. Make sure that you subscribe on Spotify on Podbean, on Apple Podcasts, on anywhere that you listen to our a podcast, please subscribe to our podcast. Also download these podcasts. It also helps us out there. Um, so make sure you give us a like as well as our email address. We have some exciting interviews coming up. Of course, we talk about sports, but we are also beer lovers and we're going to have Skip Schwartz, who is the seller lead and innovator at WeldWorks coming interviewing with us it's going to be a great podcast if you guys have any beer questions go ahead and drop us an email at fountaincitysm at gmail.com and if we see the question that we like we will then give you a shout out on the podcast with skip schwartz and we will ask skip those questions so make sure you do that for us as well thank you for tuning in again netherlands give us a shout out canada give us a shout out go and drop a dm on instagram we'll see you guys next time